0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow close to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless.
1: Today we're talking about quenching the spirit. What a bummer to talk about that. There's a lot of ways to put out a fire. Anybody know a way to put out the fire? I have five listed, but anybody know a way to put out a fire? Go ahead. You can pour water on it. Very creative, Gia. Yes. Huh? Flour? Flour and salt? are you guys, baking a cake? Smother it, right? Yeah. Actually, uh, when we're putting it out, we're really doing that anyway. We're smothering it. That's the way we have to get the oxygen away from that. Anybody else? Baking soda, flour, and salt. You know, if you three ladies got together, we could have pancakes. Uh, what'd you say back there, Ray? Pull the oxygen out of the air. Pull the oxygen out of the air, correct. What's somebody else? Fire extinguisher. Fire, fire extinguisher. Thanks, Wayne, for the obvious. Yeah, thank you. Uh, somebody else? Stomp on it, yes. Windex? That's got to be a Romanian thing. Windex to put the fire out, yeah. Huh? They use fire to fight fire, yes, that's true, they do. The coolest way to put a fire out was demonstrated in John Wayne's movie Hellfighters in 1968. How many of you remember seeing, how many of you old folks like that there remember Hellfighters? It was about fires that, uh, that started on oil wells. Come on, it's one of the coolest movies of the 60's, right? And they would go out there and they would have this long boom arm with a dynamite on it and they would stick it right in there and exp- the explosion would drive the oxygen away. Come on, you should go look that movie up. Is that on Netflix? Somebody should find that out. Anyway, you just go in there and, and blow it up, and all the oxygen would leave, and the fire would go out, but the oil would continue squirting up. Come on, that was when I was a kid, that was one of my favorite movies. Anyway, we're, we're talking about quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit. Our text, of course, is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, which says, Do not quench the Spirit... Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Take a moment and think about this lofty concept. Humans can stifle the fire of God. Humans can stifle the fire of God. Humans can quench the spirit of and stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is not all powerful. What I'm saying is that there's an element of cooperation that happens when we and the Holy Spirit are working in our life. And so Paul writes to the Thessalonian church and he says, don't quench the Spirit. So let me give you a couple of different ways, four or five different ways that we quench the Spirit. One of the ways we quench the Spirit is we are ignorant of the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes we just keep ourselves ignorant of the Holy Spirit because for some of us the Holy Spirit is spooky, uh, nebulous, sketchy. We don't like to hear people talk about things we don't understand and we don't understand fully the Holy Spirit and so we try not to think about it. It kind of makes us uncomfortable. We keep ourselves ignorant uh, of the Holy Spirit because we would rather deal with more practical things like being compassionate and being merciful and being... More uh, sh- shaped into the, uh, the, uh, the character of Christ. But of course, none of that can be done over an extended period of time unless the Holy Spirit is at work in us, shaping and working in us. We can't get the character of Christ unless the fruit of the Spirit is living on the inside of us, is what I'm saying. So some of us, it, we put the fire of the Spirit out we, by ignoring the Spirit because it makes us uncomfortable. The problem is when you're doing ministry, without the power of the Holy Spirit helping you, you will burn out pretty quick. Because you've got to have the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this now. This is like the third service where we've been talking about the renewing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So keeping ourselves ignorant of God's Holy Spirit quenches the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, uh, we keep ourselves ignorant, not because of... of the things that we are comfortable with, but sometimes it's because it's the way we teach, our teaching, the way we're taught. We're taught to ignore. We don't see. Some of us don't. Some of us are Pentecostal, but we don't want to be Pentecostal. Gotta be really honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been in the church where the Holy Spirit's moved. You've seen all that stuff, but you also know that accompanying with the genuine move of the Holy Spirit is weird stuff. Everybody say weird stuff. Don't point at anybody in particular. Weird stuff happens sometimes, and that's okay. We're open to the weird stuff. I love it when the church gets a little weird, but we have to be open to the, the Holy Spirit. If we if we are uh, ignorant of what the Spirit is doing, then anything can happen, and that quenches the Spirit too, because the ignorance of uh, the, the the taught ignorance, in other words, uh, you know, there's a reason why Francis Chan wrote that that book on the Holy Spirit, and he called it the Forgotten God. Because we, we we choose to kind of move the Holy Spirit out of it. We like, we like things to be controllable. We in ministry love things that are controllable. We like the service to start on time. We like it to end on time. We like not too many boats to be rocked in the middle. But the Holy Spirit's a boat rocking kind of God. And so He comes in and shakes things up in our lives a lot of times. So... Uh, it's no small thing to keep yourself willfully ignorant of the Holy Spirit, being ignorant of what the Holy Spirit is doing or who the Holy Spirit is or how the Holy Spirit acts quenches the Spirit and keeps us from understanding what God is doing in our own lives and then we find ourselves always questioning, always wondering and and, and, and you know Jesus said, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't minister the gospel until you've been, uh, clothed with power from on high. We talked about that on Wednesday night. That, that we shouldn't go out and do anything. Jesus put a stop to all ministry in uh, Luke 24, 49. said, Do not do it until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Only Spirit-empowered people are invited to join in with the with the witness of Christ. And so there's a reason for that. We're not supposed to be ignorant. We're supposed to be empowered. So... Sometimes we, we keep ourselves ignorant of what the Holy Spirit's doing by not praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us or to speak through us. And we, we sometimes don't impart the Holy Spirit to people around us. We don't practice the laying out of hands, which we talked about not too long ago on Wednesday night as well. The reason, uh, the reason a lot of people you see are... I just walk, On Facebook this week, I just saw this pastor who said, you know, um, I'm so burnt out that I'm just going to drop out of ministry. I just can't can't believe the Holy Spirit's purpose is for you to drop out of ministry when you're burnt out. When the fire goes out, you've got to restoke the fire. Fan into flame. That's what he said. He didn't say pray that God would fan into flame. That one song that we sing has it a little off. You know, fan into flame. We're praying to God, fan into flame. But that's what God says, you fan it into flame. You take time off from ministry and go get the flame fired up again. You allow yourself, you have to pull yourself aside and say, listen, in order for me to give out, I've got to have on the inside. Right? If the pantry's bare, there ain't nothing for dinner. That's the, that's the reality of it. But if we have on the inside, the Holy Spirit working on the inside of us, quickening us and, and, and empowering us, if we, if we experience that, then we can minister that to other people. We're supposed to have our minds fixed on the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Look at your neighbor and say, life and peace. What a good thing for you to wish for them. But the way to get there is to put your mind on the Spirit. Second thing we do that, it, that, that uh, quenches the Holy Spirit is that we limit the gifts. We determine that the Holy Spirit can't speak to us. Some of us do that in teaching. In evangelicalism, there's a theology that's called cessationism, which means they believe that the gifts have ceased. Though there's no, uh, I, I could, there's no uh, consistent teaching in Scripture that says that the gifts have ceased. Paul says to the Thessalonian church, don't despise prophesying. He says to the Corinthian church, seek earnestly the gifts. He didn't say until Tuesday. Right? He said seek earnestly the gifts. By limiting the gifts, we sometimes will quench the Spirit. Now, the giftings of the Holy Spirit can, uh, can, can be uh, uh, chaotic. They can be uh, a little messy around the edges. But if we understand what God is doing, then we can not despise prophesying. We can not forbid speaking in tongues. We can, we can earnestly seek the gifts. We can do all those things and still make room for the Holy Spirit and not have chaos in our services. Everything, he says, must be done decently and in order. So only when the Holy Spirit is really working do you have decently in order and the cacophony of all the different ministry giftings that are happening in in the Scripture right there in the the church. And so by limiting the gifts, we sometimes quench the Holy Spirit and don't allow Him to do that. We do that in teaching, of course. Uh, Some some theologies do that. We do that in living as well. We, We ask God to bless what we've already done rather than seek God what he would like us to do and then do that you you understand the reason the problem with that is we're asking for God to bless the the things that are in our own machinations in our own mind the things that, that are already in our own mind and we're really asking God to bless our life that's been birthed out of our own sinful thinking so not using the gifts in our life. Sometimes we have people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't speak in the Holy Spirit's uh, prayer language. They no longer operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're not prophesying. They're not laying hands on the sick. They're not believing God for miracles. They're not, uh, they're not doing those, those things that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But they're just living their life on their own. They're trying to use whatever... Uh, uh, motivational gifts they have in their life, but they're not asking God to intervene into their life. Listen, we have a supernatural task. We have an impossible task to finish. There's nothing we can do in our own self. Everything that we have to do in order to be the church has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. And if you're trying to be a Christian on your own, you are going to be the most miserable cuss in the world. Because you don't have the power to live for Christ unless the Holy Spirit is operating on the inside of you. We need to use the gifts. We need to not bury the gifts. By putting our mind on the Spirit, our minds are life and peace. Their freedom, power, purpose are all flowing in the inside of us when we allow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... Some, yesterday I came in. I was bummed out. It was time for prayer. Uh, I came in, bumped the heat, went next door, drank some coffee, ate a uh, a little poppy. Boy, the little poppies are good, aren't they? That's just a commercial for next door. Anyway, so, um, and I, I got that. But even after a little poppy, even after, you know, if you, don't, if you can't get happy with chorizo and eggs, I'm not sure there's much help for you. In, in this, the, anyway, so I ate that, and, and, and then I had my coffee, and then it was time to come to prayer, and I kind of moped, you know, and moped my way in and came down and sat down in the front, and I spent some time in prayer, and as I was praying and seeking the Lord, kind of coming before the Lord, God just began to pour His Spirit out on me. And, I, and as the more time I spent, in, and it took a good, I would say, 40 to 45 minutes before God started infusing my mind with all this positiveness, all this faith. I was, to the point that I, I was at the end going, thanks God for this gift of faith because I know it wasn't here in my pocket when I came in. Come on, sometimes you need the gift of faith to get out of bed in the morning, right? Sometimes you need to just have the gift of faith. You have to believe that there's something to to do, some, some way for you to face down the impossibilities in your own life. Sometimes life just sucks the life out of you. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to be working on the inside of you. If we quench the Spirit rather than seek the Spirit, if we, if we put a wet blanket on ourselves rather than open ourselves up to fresh new fire of the Holy Spirit, then we will, never be, we will always be quenching the Spirit. We'll be in direct defiance of this passage of Scripture we're studying here in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Uh, sometimes we do it in structure in the church. We limit the, the, the length of a service. We limit the, the, the length of something and we determine that, that the Holy Spirit has to fit in there. I've, I've never been successful to try to determine, to get the Holy Spirit to fit in the spot that I want Him to fit in. I don't know why that is. I think that's because He knows more than me. I think we have to allow the Holy Spirit to have a little elbow room. Sometimes we, we shut Him down. Sometimes we don't let the Spirit speak to us. Sometimes we, we don't meditate on the Scriptures that he, that he gives us. Somebody gave me a passage of Scripture this morning said the Holy Spirit gave me this for you. I'm going to go and... and Pour that, pour my mind over that, and listen to what God is saying as I read and reread and meditate on that scripture instead of just blow it off and go do whatever I was going to do today anyway. So, we have to be careful to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing. We do it in structure. Sometimes we have to be aware that the Holy Spirit speaks to us through movies and books and things around us, all, all manner of things. And if we are only if we are saying, I will only receive a prophecy from a duly ordained person from a Bible college, no, no offense, one. I will, I will, I, I, if we have to say, that's the only person I'm going to receive from, we're going to miss out on the children that provoke us to praise. We're going to miss out on the opportunities around us that, that evoke uh, 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 the wonder that's on the inside of us. That's the beauty of this time of year, that we have this, this wonder, that we have this. Uh, Jesus was irritated in Mark chapter 3 about the structure. Listen to this verse. It's, it's, really, it's really striking when you only read this one or two verses here in, in Mark 3 verse 5. It says, And then he looked around at them with anger and grieved at the hardness of their heart. He said, stretch out your hand. And they, the man stretched out his hand and his hand was restored. Why was Jesus angry? Why was Jesus grieved? Why did He say to them that they had hardness of heart? Because they said, oh, you can't do that in our service. We've ruled that out. That's not going to happen. That grieves the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can be grieved simply by our limiting the gifts. Sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit by abusing those very gifts. We use them, but we use them to our own advantage. We are exalting the gift or the person and I'm going, to, I'm going to get somebody angry here today, but we, we exalt them in our own lives and so that we can be exalted as the person who's being used in the gift. If you're praying for somebody, God doesn't need any help knocking them down. If God wants to knock them on their butt. You don't need to push. Right? Anybody here think God is so anemic and weak that He needs you to help knock down 180 to 200 pound human being. No. I think God can knock down a 500 pound human being. I think God can knock down the walls of Jericho. So why would we do that? Well, I think one of the reasons we do that is so it feels better for us. We do it to help the Holy Spirit. I put that in question. We don't need to abuse the gifts. We don't need to help God. Oh, we need to stand out and do what He's... Told us to do, and let God be God and every man a liar. Let God be God. That's that's God doesn't need our help, He needs our cooperation. Sometimes gifts that are used are used in a way that are used in a self-seeking manner. Like frequently I'll have somebody offer to come do ministry here at the church, prophetic people with genuine gifts of the Spirit but they live in a palatial mansion someplace and they want an exorbitant fee. And it just doesn't seem right to me to to imbibe of that and spend that kind of money on those giftings. I pray God, raise up those giftings within us. You know, I'm not begrudging somebody with a gift to, to have something wonderful in their life, but what I'm saying is we have to make sure that we're not using the gifts to seek ourselves. Uh, sometimes we quench the spirit when we abuse the gifts by using counterfeit miracles. People will will do counterfeit miracles. Today, I put on my, my long coat, my overcoat, my long overcoat, and on my left sleeve was a white feather. Someone would say, that's an angel feather. And I would say, I'm not sure angels have feathers. And neither are you. Because the Bible doesn't say that angels have feathers. Chickens have feathers. Ducks have feathers. Down It makes a wonderful liner for a jacket. Keeps you nice and warm in the wintertime. But occasionally, a feather will leak out of that and fall onto the sleeve of your other jacket. It doesn't mean that my left hand now is burning with the healing power. It just means there was a feather on my jacket. That's what it means. There are ministries that plant feathers. No reason to counterfeit the miracles. Galatians says, "Be careful. What you reap, what you sow, you will reap. If you sow deception, you will find yourself deceived. That's guaranteed. So if God wants to drop a feather on me, I'm okay. Actually, I get really excited if I'm walking in the woods and I find a a a turkey feather." Sometimes I'm out fishing in Canada and I find eagle feathers. I'm excited about that. But that feather this morning? Just garbage. I threw it away at Walgreens. <laughs> the reality of this is that we, we Christians are not superstitious, but we still are a little stitious. We can still find ourselves in the way where we begin to... F- We 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 have this religious spirit that's always trying to grab a hold of us and deepen that. Someone will come to me after the service, I'm sure, and say, "No, I know a guy who had a real angel feather." Never have I ever had someone turn one of those in and have it analyzed because I know it's chicken. Come on, now you know it's chicken. (laughs) Abusing the gifts doesn't give us more of the Holy Spirit; it quenches the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, how can I work genuine stuff if you're going to have all this craziness in here? Let's purify the sanctuary of God and believe that God will allow His Holy Spirit to do amazing works on the inside of us without all the all, Without misusing the gifts. Without counterfeiting the gifts. Sometimes we quench the Spirit by misrepresenting the Lord's Spirit. We walk up to someone and say, the Lord would say to you when really the Lord doesn't say that at all. It's just that that sounded more authoritative than I think you should. And we sometimes will use the Lord would say to you because it gets a hearing when we should be saying I think you should do this. Because it comes with an authority. The problem when you when you say that you have now used the name of the Lord And if you are misusing the name of the Lord, the scripture says in Exodus, He will not hold those harmless who misuse His name. That's a pretty tough scripture. So God is going to hold you accountable for the misuse of His name. We quench the spirit when we say, when we don't speak truthfully. It's okay to step out and say, I feel like the Holy Spirit just put this in my heart, and maybe it applies to your situation. You see, that leaves opportunity for that's a humility thing that leaves opportunity for you to be wrong. And somebody says, "That's not me." Which, by the way, I'm just be honest with you. I have had the Holy Spirit. I remember had Holy Spirit say to me, "You need to go warn this young man because he's in sexual sin." So I went by his house. He wouldn't answer the door. So I wrote it on a note. This is what the Lord said to me. You need to stay clear of sexual sin. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I gave him the whole passage and wrote it all out there. And put it on his door. And later he said to me, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. You totally miss God. Then three months later when his girlfriend was pregnant, then I realized I wasn't a false prophet. Don't determine your, your validity whether someone receives the word or not. Just have humility as you give the word. And, it's, and that's so much easier. To, isn't it easy to be a Christian? We're making it so hard. Just be humble. Be honest. Be truthful. You don't have to th- throw thundersticks at people and have lightning coming out of your fingertips. A word is powerful. A word is very powerful. It will change a life. It will break the back of the enemy over someone. So sometimes we have to do that. When we recognize that, uh, that we have a tendency to misrepresent God, then we should step out and earnestly use, use them. The Scripture says that when we are listening to the voice, why would we even listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit if there's so much opportunity to quench the Spirit and to put a wet blanket on the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit has made a, a way for us to understand this in the text that we have this morning. Test everything sometimes people who operate in the gifts of the Spirit or they seemingly operate in the gifts of the Spirit will make you feel as if you don't have faith because you didn't receive that. No, I'm just being biblical. I'm testing everything. Everything. Every blessed thing. Somebody gives you a word Put it on the, in the pot on the back burner and let it simmer there. You meditate on it. You do. You listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say, but you're listening for the Holy Spirit. Finally, the fifth thing we do, which is pretty frequent, we resist what the Spirit is doing, and that quenches the Spirit, puts the fire of God out really quick. In Acts chapter seven, verse fifty-one, it says Stephen is speaking. He says, "You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears." you are just like your fathers, you always resist the Holy Spirit. This resisting of the Holy Spirit, pushing away from what he's trying to do. Sometimes he's moving us in a direction or telling us to do. You know, I was in a grocery store the other day and I saw this kid and he reminded me of myself a little bit. He, he threw himself down on the floor. You've seen this lately? You know, probably this is the time of year when they're tired, they haven't had their nap and threw himself down on the floor because the line was long and his mom was saying, come on, come over here. And he wanted to go down and pick out some cereal or something like that. And he threw himself down on the floor. I mean, he went all the way down on the floor. He was like fully down on the floor. No! No! I don't know what kind of cereal he wanted. Maybe it was Captain Crunch. I'm not sure. He was all the way down on the floor. No! No, I can't bear it. I don't, I, there's no possible way I could bear Going home without Fruit Loops. There's no possible way. Uh, and he was really putting on a, quite a sales show right there. And I thought, I looked at him and I said, That's how I am with God sometimes. God says, I want to do this. And I throw myself down. And I go, No, God, I can't imagine it. I don't want that. That's uncomfortable. You're stretching my faith. You're telling me to do something. I start resisting God and the Holy Spirit will immediately... The Holy Spirit's a a gentleman. The Holy Spirit has never kidnapped a single person in His eternal existence. There's no one who will say, well then, aliens may have abducted people, but the Holy Spirit has never abducted anybody and taken them off someplace and had them do things. The, The closest we can come to that is when... Uh, 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 Philip ran to catch up with the chariot, right? That was, that was a near a Holy Spirit abduction, but not quite a Holy Spirit abduction. We sometimes want God to get His way. Does God always get His way? Does God always get His way? Uh, you need to think about the theology. He's the eternal God. He's the all-knowing God. He's the sovereign God over the universe. Does God always get His way? You sound confused because you were no just a second ago. Now you say yes. Does God always get his way? I see this, I see this. You folks are confused. Let me me tell you this God desires that no man should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge. Does God always get his way? Does God always get his way? God doesn't always get His way. If God always got His way, there would be no no reason for this Scripture. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. You are the linchpin to the Holy Spirit moving in your family. You are the linchpin to the Holy Spirit moving in your life. God will not say go if you are holding up a stop sign. You can quench the the Spirit of the eternal and all-powerful God. Because God has determined that he will respond to us as a gentleman. Let me give you this for free. This has nothing to do with my message, hardly all. What is prayer? It is your invitation to God to come do something in your life. God does not kick the door down like the member of a SWAT team and say, we're going to fix you up. You have to unlock the door and open it and say, come God, come Holy Spirit into my life and help me a little bit. If you're waiting for God to hog tie you and get His will in your life, it is never going to happen. You are quenching the Holy Spirit with your theology. Your thinking is quenching the Spirit of God. God doesn't always get His way. If you think God always gets his way, then how could those tourists, those 41 tourists that were visiting that volcano get swallowed up because it exploded? How could those wars, how could those starving children, how could the Nazis have killed? If God always gets his way, is that the will of God? Of course that's not the will of God. That's not the God we know and love. God is limited by our ability. Because He has chosen. Not, not because He's not all-powerful, because He's chosen to self-limit. by what. So God can come in and change a life, but that life has to say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. It's our resistance of the Holy Spirit that quenches the fire of the Holy Spirit in our life. I suggest to you today that God wants to light the fire in some of us.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you're blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.